1: This podcast is inspired by a series of stories I've asked the listeners during the Generation Y to share personal stories about tragedy, about choices they had to make, mistakes they've made, things like that. It's meant to educate, amuse, entertain, and make you feel uncomfortable. There are a lot of ideas I have going around on how I wanted to start this podcast. I've actually already interviewed multiple people and gotten their stories, and they're all wonderful and cringeworthy. Because the stories are pretty short, you're going to get two on this episode. How do you start something like this? Where do you begin? Something I see on Reddit all the time is, tell me about a time when you did X, Y, and Z. I'll go first. And then the poster will write a story about their experience, and then they want to hear yours. So with that said, this first episode's theme is going to be, I don't want to be here. I shouldn't be here. I'm going to go ahead and share a personal story from my childhood to kick things off. Growing up, I was the youngest of three children. I have a sister who is two years older than me, and I had a brother that is five years older than me. I always tried to hang around my older brother and sister. I was that annoying little tag-along brat that wouldn't leave them alone because I had nothing better to do, apparently. I know they hated it. I know they always tried to push me aside and didn't really want me around all the time, but I always insisted. When I was somewhere around 11 or 12, I might have been 12 years old, My brother is hanging out with friends that are older than him. Friends that can drive. My brother being 16, 17 years old had also started experimenting with drugs. And me being the younger brother, I want to do everything my brother does. I want to go everywhere he goes. Apparently, he just kind of gave up on telling me no. So one day... His friend Neil. So Neil, I think he's a year or two older than my brother, and he's a clean-cut guy, blonde-haired, blue eyes, crew-cut, likes to wear leather jackets, pretty intense guy. He listens to Ebb uh, and other German industrial. Being that sort of intense kind of guy, his drug of choice was cocaine, I think my brother's drug of choice was probably marijuana, just typical things. But I know my brother would go on to use a lot of other drugs and harder drugs. And, of course, my brother was the one to expose me to alcohol and illegal drugs. So today, they are going to buy drugs. We grew up in Westlake Village, California, which... It's kind of embedded in Thousand Oaks, California. And if you've never been there, let's just say it's a very well-to-do suburb. It's about an hour north of Los Angeles. It's a pretty nice nice area, nice neighborhood. Neil shows up, and they want to go buy an eight ball of cocaine. And that's pretty hard to find in Westlake Village, California. That's just not a lot of cocaine dealers hanging out down there. And this is 1986, maybe 87-ish. My brother, Chris, is leaving. And I say, I want to go. I want to go. I'm bored. I I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure Neil was kind of shaking his head like, "Eh, let's, let's not do this. And I think my mother was gone and... My brother was supposed to be watching me, so therefore I had to go with, otherwise he wouldn't be watching me. So we drive the hour into the inner city of Los Angeles, listening to Ebb and all kinds of techno rave kind of industrial music. We go to a park that is probably known for drug trafficking Crack, cocaine, all these things. And I don't remember the park. DeSoto Park comes to mind, but it could have been Echo Park. Not really remembering which park it was. It could have just been some small no-name or park. At the time, the word for cocaine was blow. So as we rolled up to this park, I'm sitting in the back seat. Neil's driving and my brother's riding shotgun. And the cassette tape player is turned down as he rolls down his window. And the first man that's walking by that looks a little haggard or a little suspicious. And Neil looks out the window and gets the man's attention. And he says, blow, blow, blow. The first man says, no, thank you. Which I kind of interpreted as... Neil was asking him or propositioning him to give a blow job, kind of like a male prostitution thing, when really Neil's intention was, do you have blow or do you have cocaine for me to buy? But even though this was the mid to late 80s, the heyday of cocaine, apparently, I guess not everybody was in the know, and and I certainly wasn't as a 12-year-old, so... As a 12 year old, I'd heard of blow job, but I've never heard the term blow as in cocaine. So Neil continues doing this and is pretty much striking out. My brother is not happy that they're not able to find somebody. So we drive around the park, and this park is pretty shady. There's homeless people sleeping underneath trees, there's gang graffiti everywhere. There's boarded up houses, broken down cars. It's everything you would probably imagine from like the show The Wire or something to that effect where you would just think this gang drug ridden neighborhood and a park set right in the middle of it. We're going around and finally a man, younger guy, says, yeah, I'll hook you up. And he says it's, I don't remember the exact price, but... I guess the going rate for an eight ball of cocaine back in that time was around $120, give or take 20 bucks. My brother and Neil had pooled their money together to buy this. So they hand the man the money, and he walks across the street and goes into a house. And there's not a lot of parking because you got to realize this is downtown L.A. So this man's in this uh, house for a while. And police are patrolling three well-to-do white kids sitting in a car in a well-known drug trafficking area, sticking out like turds in a punch bowl. And it starts to dawn on me, at least, that our lives are probably in danger or we're probably not in a good area or good position. We'll either be ripped off by a drug dealer, attacked by a drug dealer, or arrested for trying to buy drugs in a drug trafficking area. Now, again, I'm not quite grasping the concept or even the caliber of the situation, but my spidey sense is tingling, and I'm thinking, "Eh, the rush of this whole situation and hanging out with my big brother isn't there anymore, and we should probably leave. Somebody comes out of the house and... They roll down the window and they confront the person. It's not the same man that they gave the money to. And they say, hey, where's the guy? And this person that came out of the house says, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, you should probably get the fuck out of here. My brother isn't happy with this, but he's kind of like, okay, maybe we should do that. But Neil, not so happy about it. And he's just like, fuck that. We want our money back. Da, da, da. Man walks off. I think at this point, we would probably sat there for almost 45 minutes waiting for this person to come back, and Neil is not accepting the fact that we have been burned, he's been ripped off, the drugs aren't coming. A woman's walking by, and she kind of has been there the whole time, she's seen the whole situation, and she walks up and says, the guy you dealt with, he ran out the back door of that house. She says, he's not in the house, he's long gone, your money's gone, you should probably leave before somebody calls the police, like like the police aren't already there checking us out. They finally realize that they've been burned, and I'm realizing that this isn't a good situation. I start asking them, you know, maybe we should go, maybe we should leave. They finally agree, and we leave. And a police car was parked on the corner as we were leaving. And I'm sure that he probably witnessed the entire thing. Probably knew that we didn't have any drugs on us because the man never came back. So we left without incident besides losing their money, which is probably the best possible scenario in this case. I learned a lot about my brother and how he would probably not think twice about putting me in a dangerous situation and had very little care for me. But at the same time, he was my older brother and I loved him and I wanted to be around him as much as possible. As a kid growing up, you know, you don't really understand when your siblings or parents or relatives might not have your best interests at heart.
2: My name is Richard. I am a dog groomer and a sculptor of figures yeah. and toys. I, I'll start by saying um, I smoke pot and I, uh, I pretty much smoke pot. That's it. That's really all I do. And I've done uh, uh, drugs pretty responsibly in my life. And uh, this story that I told you involves the first and only time I have ever smoked crack and it, oh shit. (laughs) It's kind of embarrassing. I'm not gonna go into the details of how I met this person and and all that, but um, story goes like this. It was like 2000, somewhere around there. I, at the time, I lived in Georgia, lived in Savannah, and I didn't know anybody, so I just kind of roamed around. I just stumbled upon this house that was like a party house. The house itself in, in Georgia, If you live anywhere near the downtown area, it's all historic districts, so it's all 200-plus-year-old houses. It was the same one. It was like one of these mansions, but it was cut into, like, four different apartments. So it was was a really nice house, but as soon as you got inside, it was, like, fucking scary. Uh, So a shit ton of people just partying, doing their thing, and I kind of just decided I'm going to walk in there. And just see what happens. And I did, and no one noticed, and people were talking to me. And so I just hung out. And eventually I uh, met the owner of the house. And at the time, I met this guy, uh, Lil Wayne. Eventually, I, I just started buying weed from him and hanging out with him. I bought weed from this guy for about a year. And uh, he's just a kind of a loud, you know, obnoxious kind of guy. And I just kind of thought that was him. And it would basically be the same thing every time. I would go over there, I'd hang out, there'd be like 20 people there. I never really noticed anything or was paying attention. Mocha Blunt, two, whatever. Do we talk some more? Wayne would disappear off into the back and then come back and reappear like 15 minutes later. Every, every time, almost like clockwork, and I had never seen any other part of the house. I had just seen the living room, and I had been going over there for about a year, and then one day, I go over there, keep in mind, like, it's not the same people there all the time, it's, it's different people every time. But this time, I walk in and, you know what bomber jackets are? Like, yes. okay, skinheads, I guess, wear these a lot. The bomber jackets are these like, they're like baseball jackets, but covered in like Nazi shit. Just hung on the backs of chairs and, and kind of randomly. Not really out in the open. I walk in and immediately it's all these dudes kind of look the same. I am not thinking anything. I instantly see all these guys there and I'm like okay, not really registering anything because I'm kind of young at the time. All the dudes are skin like shaved heads. But again, none of this registered with me at, the, at this moment. So I mentioned every time I would go over there, little Wayne would disappear, and then reappear. But this one time that I, I'm talking about, he kind of approaches me and says, hey man, come on back, I gotta show you something. And I say, alright. And so we walked back, and he opened his door, and the first thing I saw was an American flag, and as you walk further into the room, a big-ass Nazi flag, like a swastika flag, right next to it. Crazy weird shit. So instantly, I kind of know that I'm in a situation that I wasn't aware of prior to. Because before any of this, like we were sitting there listening to like bone thugs and biggie, you know, like Tupac, like rap, like I, you know what I mean? So he grabs a can and he starts denting it and he's like, hey, you ever smoked crack before? And I go, no, I haven't. And he's like, do you want to? And I immediately say, no, I'm good. I just kind of, at this point, getting nervous. And he's like, no, nah, man, you're gonna smoke crack today. And he dents the can a little bit more, grabs a little crack rock, and drops it on the can and hands it to me. And at this point, now I am registering that I am sitting in a house full of neo-Nazis. Very uncomfortable, because I am the opposite of that. I don't agree with any such ideas. So to suddenly be in their house was just really strange. And now to be smoking crack kind of forced uh,
1: was a little weird, too. What do you think would have happened if you had declined his offer
2: to smoke crack?
1: Would he have done anything to you?
2: I have no idea, and I wasn't ready to find out. I was so I grabbed it and I was like, "All right, how do you do this?" Trying kind to of stalling for time, and he just said, "Hold the lighter." So I took a big fat rip, and I handed it to him, and he said, "No, no." Pushed it back towards me, dropped one more rock, and said, "There you go." So I sat there, kind of like, "All right," I hadn't even felt anything at this point. Like I just took a hit, exhaled, nothing. Took a hit. The second hit, and he said, all right, grab the can and finished it. And at this point, I don't think I felt anything yet, and I was just ready to get the fuck out of there. Was he the leader of this Nazi gang? I don't think it was an actual, like, gang of Nazis. I think it was just a room full of dudes that like being Nazis. (laughs) I don't don't know. (laughs) Um, I guess he was selling other shit, too, but I all, all I was ever interested in was weed. Like, I don't, I don't want to buy any anything else. So I never asked or really assumed. Let's level set here. In today's world, people can go
1: out and buy marijuana from dispensaries. It's legal all over America. Uh, there's still a lot of states you can't buy it from, but this is Georgia 2000, and you're having to go to really shady places and put yourself in danger just for this? Was this the
2: only time you put yourself in danger? Uh, that was probably the only time. I, I'm i sure I've been endangered quite a bit because of that specifically, but that's all in my younger years when I would actually like chase it. Yeah. Now I am high on crack. I didn't feel anything immediately. And within that happening, I was up through the entire house and out of the house within about 75 seconds, because I was like, all right, thanks. As I was leaving, there was like a pile of rifles uh, right behind the door, like just there, just in case, you know, and that's, and when I saw that, I immediately knew that I never wanted to come back to this place. So you were able to finally leave the house. Oh, I basically ended up walking out of that house uh, and walking around the streets of Savannah for like seven hours, and I've been told that Crack highs only last 15 minutes, but I felt like I was high on crack for like seven hours. And I just walked to the streets of Savannah, like the downtown area, just fucking aimlessly. And I went home. You know, you you might have listeners that enjoy crack and say that I'm wrong, but this is how it affected me.
1: Crack or cocaine typically lasts between 15 minutes, maybe 30. Do you think it might have been PCP? That's
2: very possible. That's very possible um, because, so I, I don't know. Maybe I smoke PCP with Nazis. Who knows? I, I don't know and I'll never know. But people might wonder how you wouldn't notice this was a neo-Nazi drugged in. I'd never been paying attention. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe uh, just in that time and who I was, I would be in a place and I just don't really pay attention. Honestly, there, there could have been worse shit around, and I, I wasn't paying attention. But I was also just there to get weed and get the fuck out of there, really. So, so Nazis listen to rap music? Yeah, oh yeah. That was see. That's that's the thing that immediately was like kind of a like, whoa. Because when I turned that corner, and that's when I knew seeing this fucking swastika flag that something was really weird, and that I was in and. I even almost remember like I could hear music coming from the living room and that's all they ever listened to was like fucking Southern gangster rap and like chopped and screwed swish a house shit. What do you expect Nazis
1: to listen to? Uh,
2: I don't know what the fuck Nazis listen to. So I wouldn't expect them to listen to anything, but I really wouldn't expect them to listen to the music that, Isn't that their whole thing? Like, they don't like black people? That's their whole thing. Like, I've never realized kind of how weird it was until I actually sat and I, I think I was telling it to you, that skinhead Nazis like rap music and smoking crack. That's something you just wouldn't expect.
1: If it wasn't for this situation, do you think you would have ever
2: smoked crack? Honestly, if that hadn't have happened, I would to this day have never smoke crack like
1: <laughs> I wouldn't expect most people would go to this length to simply buy marijuana but for harder drugs I'm sure that you have to deal with very shady people and nefarious situations
2: oh you betcha Bad oh yeah no the fucking scarier drugs you do the weirder it's gonna get for you. It's, uh I mean if crack can lead you to Tupac love and Nazis, then where will heroin lead you? Well, you know, smoking crack with Nazis is uh, kind of of a strange experience. And uh, I don't think many people can say they have done that. And if they have, then we should do like a convention or something, yeah. I don't really know how to end this.